Welcome to another edition of Around with Randall, your weekly podcast for making your nonprofit more effective for your community. And here is your host, the CEO and founder of Hallett Philanthropy, Randall Hallett. Always appreciate those listening and watching when they join me here on another edition of Around with Randall. Today's subject matter is one that I enjoy greatly. I miss because I do more consulting than I do as obviously as a time as a practitioner and it's going to become much more important here in the near future. And that's the aspects in the conversation around planned giving. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time teaching or talking about the various vehicles that planned giving provides, but there is the inklings of some conversation that's going to affect it greatly. And that's why I want to talk about it here today. And in the end, want to spend just a few minutes on the tactical. What, what is it you should be preparing for? I think many of us after the 2020 election, particularly those of us who study tax policy and tax uh, taxation issues, believe that there would be a conversation uh, coming out of the Democratic White House and the Demo- Demo- democratically controlled Congress around taxes, and in particular, what the levels would be. And there now, for the first time, are rumors uh, of the administration and Congress looking at what they're going to do, in particular driven by conversation that Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, had here recently. I'm not going to spend any time on the political aspects of of raising or lowering taxes, but I do want to talk about how it affects us, and in particular, planned giving. So the reason why this is happening, no big surprise, is that there is a push to have more revenue coming into the federal government. Historically, when we put it in context of planned giving, we've seen a cataclysmic shift in the last 25 years or so in how estates are taxed. Just to give you some context, in 2001, an exemption, meaning the amount of money that wasn't taxed inside someone's estate, once they pass, they would be tax-free at about $675,000, with a 55% tax on any dollars above that before it was passed to an individual not dealing with charitable, just taxation rules and laws. In 2009, that exemption was moved up to $3.5 million during the first uh, year of President Obama's term. $3.5 million would be tax-free when it was passed, and the taxation rate would, was 45%. In 2021, based on the changes in 2017, the exemption level is $11.7 million with a taxation rate above that of 40%. Well, what's the outcome of that? Well, in 2009, there were 5,700 taxable estates in the United States. In 2021, there were 1,900. So a drop of 75%. And what this would do is if they change the rules, which we're going to talk about, it would increase the amount of people having to pay tax on their estate into the billions of dollars. All of that is history. 
That's not even important. The question is what they're going to do next. Best guesstimates are, is that the exemption level, the amount that someone would have to pay tax on, like we talked about 3.5 million in 2009. So anything above that, three or uh, 11.7 in 2021. So anything above that will come down. It's probably going to come down to similar numbers around 2009 is my best guess. But that's not even the most important. What may be the biggest change is what they call the step-up value and an adjustment in that. So let me give you an example of how that's handled. And if you're thinking, well, I don't want to listen to this. This is boring. If you're a gift officer, if you're a nonprofit, I highly recommend you spend the next 10 minutes listening because it's going to become very, very important to you very, very quickly. Step-up value was designed so that when someone buys something and it stays in their life, and then at the end, when they pass, it's in their estate, the value of that is stepped up to the moment when they pass. I'm going to give you three examples to make it pretty crystal clear for those of you who didn't study tax law. If you bought a share of Berkshire Hathaway in 1980, you would have paid about $300. If you bought a th- some Apple stock in 1980, let's say it's at its offering of $1,000, and that's about $25 a share at the time. Or let's say you bought a house for $50,000. The value of those today in 2021 would be as follows. That single share of $300 of Berkshire would be worth $388,000. That $1,000 of Apple stock would be worth just under $9 million. And that house, depending on where you live, for you purchased or someone purchased in 1950 or 1980 for $50,000, would be worth possibly $350,000. The way this works currently is, is that those who inherit those assets only pay taxes at the level above what the value was at the day that their loved one or someone died. You don't pay the capital gains. So let's take the Apple stock purchased in 1980 for $1,000, now worth $9 million. You would only pay taxes on it if it was worth more than that $9 million, not on the original $1,000 investment. In addition, that house, which is primarily most people's value in their estates, you wouldn't pay any tax on anything over, under, excuse me, at or under 350000 versus the 50000 that maybe a couple early on in their life purchased and then lived in the house for the next 50 years, 40 years. What the conversation that is being discussed, and uh, Secretary Yellen is on the record as saying, is she wants to look at step-up basis and possibly making some first time in 40, 50, 60 years changes to that provision, which would mean that taxes on, let's say, the house, you a estate or the recipient of that, when they sell it, would be taxed on the capital gains from 50000 to whatever they sold it to. 
billions and billions and billions of dollars in additional revenue would be coming into the federal government based on estate taxes. And then you add to that, if you lower the amount from 11.7 that is exempted, meaning you don't have to pay tax on it, down to, let's say, 3.5, where it was at the beginning of uh, President Obama's term, you're talking about massive change to estate planning. Massive. You can read more about step-up basis. It's probably something, or step-up rules, probably something you probably want to be a little bit more aware of. There is a conversation that possibly there might be an exemption for these step-up rules as well, i.e. the first $500,000 would be exempt or something of that nature, making estate planning even more complicated. So I've just spent seven, eight minutes talking about political slash tax issues currently being discussed in the federal government. They're all rumor and innuendo. Something's going to happen. Many of us who have been doing this for a long time, when we saw the changes in 2017, going to you know 10 and a half at the time, now 11.7 million, all I think anybody with a brain recognized this is not going to last if there's a Democratic House and Senate and President. It just it was too much of a jump, and it was too one sided in terms of the way the vote happened politically. So that we have to be prepared for another adjustment. So what does this mean for you tactically, even if you didn't quite get all of that? The first thing is, is what this is going to do is increase dramatically the opportunity we have in the nonprofit world to enhance plan giving opportunities and conversations. If you're not building out a communication plan to talk about estate giving even if it's just putting something at the bottom of an envelope of a pledge form or an envelope that says, I, I, I've included an estate gift in my thoughts for you as a nonprofit, or maybe you're more formalized, you're sending out regular communication. If you're not doing something tactically, number one, you're going to regret it because more and more people are going to increase their plan giving conversations with charitable intent. If they lower the exemption back down to $3.5 million, it's not going to be everybody, but there'll be 75% reduction happened the last time from 2009 to today. That means there's going to be a fourfold increase in the number of estates that could be taxed, which means more people will say, gosh, I'd rather give it to a nonprofit than have it taxed when those assets are sold. So the first thing is, how are you communicating with your donors, those most generous, most loyal donors who believe in your mission wholeheartedly? Number two tactic is you probably need to look and have a better understanding of your gift acceptance policies. Conversations around appreciated assets are going to be more valuable in the future. If the step-up basis changes, i.e. there's a higher tax rate on appreciated assets that have been held by an individual or couple for a long period of time, it may be more advisable for them to get that asset out of their estate and leaving more cash-driven options for their loved ones because cash has a present value of whatever the present value is with no step-up. A dollar's worth a dollar. A dollar's worth might have bought more in 1980, but it's still worth a dollar. So things like houses are going to become more complicated 
in terms of passing them on and maybe better for an individual to give to a nonprofit. Stock is another one that probably will become more of a conversation and plan giving opportunities. Are you ready for conversations with your organization that allows those type of gifts to be used and given on a regular basis? There's more complication with accepting a house by from a nonprofit. Normally, there should be a prof process for a review that might include a phase one environmental study and who's going to sell the house. Is there a policy about what we sell it for? Is there a process of how long we should hold things? Do we hold stock more than we do homes? In the end, do we end up also saying we don't hold anything? We sell it all as quickly as we get it. If you're a smaller nonprofit, are you actually built to do these kind of activities? Looking at, reviewing, and thinking of different scenarios that re are engaged with your or, or, or utilize your gift acceptance policy are critically important. There are legendary stories about nonprofits accepting land and accepting houses and hotels and other assets that they really didn't know what to do with, and it ended up costing them more than it was actually worth. Preparing your organization is a really important component if we're going to see increased opportunities for these appreciated type assets. Number three, on an individual level, plan giving is sometimes scary for a lot of nonprofit leaders and in particular major gift officers. As someone who spent a number of years in law school studying tax, I didn't have that issue. But I don't think everybody needs to have that kind of knowledge. No one is going to ask a major gift officer to draft or draw up an annuity contract or to review the estate plan of a donor at that kind of level. But you do need, if you're a gift officer or an organizational leader, probably a base understanding of what the vehicles are for plan giving opportunities. Things like the difference between a bequest and an annuity, or a specific bequest versus a, re a residue or residual, or how does your organization handle charitable remainder trusts? You need to have a base knowledge of these kind of instruments that give you an opportunity to have the conversation with donors. You only need a baseline understanding, and there's a million places you can get it. And if you wanted it, I'd give it to you for almost nothing. Just a basic teaching of planned giving. But it's really important you have those base understandings of each instrument. Don't forget also the idea about blended gifts, that this may push blended gift opportunities to an all-time high where someone can make a cash gift for part and then use their estate to complete their gift at a future date because it will maximize their giving potential. So even if you deal in cash or immediate type gifts, stock transfers, transfers, things of that nature, still having that ability to know a little bit of basic information that maximize someone's gift potential if they don't want to reduce their cash to a certain beyond a certain level because their estate could fill it in upon passing.
The bottom line is, is that people are going to have to have hard conversations about their estate plans, especially if it's a big drop in the exemption level from 11.7, let's say to 3.5. What are they going to do? And what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to get things out of their estate as fast as possible. And nonprofits can serve a valuable role in an opportunity for them to do that and to better the community at the same time. Planned giving. I think it's going to become a much more important subject here starting in 2022 if we have a change in the tax laws out of Washington. Just a couple of reminders. Uh, first and foremost, video-wise or podcast, please like and subscribe and leave a review uh, to these particular endeavors. If they're helpful, share them with a friend. If you find it helpful, maybe somebody else will as well. Also, I post blogs two or three a week at this point, 90-second reads max on the various aspects of nonprofit work, being a leader, various business principles, things that are applicable maybe to your life professionally. Take a look. You might read, find something interesting, something that I saw that might be helpful to you. And then if you'd like to reach out and let me know what you think about the podcasts, you can email me at podcast at howlettphilanthropy.com. That's two L's and two T's with Howlett Philanthropy, howlettphilanthropy.com. And if you want to comment, we've had a couple, we did a couple episodes ago on, you disagree with me, reeks, R-E-E-K-S, reeks at howlettphilanthropy.com. Let me know what you think. I always appreciate your time. I, I hope these conversations are helpful because you have such an important role to play. You're doing great things to make your nonprofit a better place, to contribute to your community. So it's also a better place for people to live and work and be. And nonprofits are going to play a more and more important role with everything that we're trying to accomplish in our communities. And I hope you feel like you're being pulled to doing great things. I get out of bed every morning thinking I'm darn lucky to do what I do, and I hope you feel the same. And remember, my all-time favorite saying, some people make things happen, some people watch things happen, then there are those who just wondered what happened. We live in a world where there's a lot of people just wondering what happened. And the work you do and the work your nonprofit does is part of the effort of people making things happen. For those people that are wondering and need that helping hand, wondering what happened. We'll see you next time here on Around with Ramble. And don't forget... Make it a great day.